0: Hello. I'm Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Come On Now MMA podcast. It is Monday, January 4th, and here are the topics I'm going to discuss. I try and make my case that the COVID-19 story I wrote for Bloody Elbow about who received relief loans is not politically motivated. Uh, While I agree with Dana White that I don't want to see Nick Diaz fight again, I am not Nick Diaz's promoter. Dana White is. So if he wants to keep Diaz from fighting, and Diaz wants a fight, the UFC should release Nick Diaz. And if Leon Edwards wants a fight before he faces Hamzat Chemaev, the UFC should give him that fight. The UFC can't have it both ways. It can't add time to a fighter's contract when he doesn't want, he or she doesn't want to fight, but then not remove time from a fighter's contract if they want a fight. And what I want to see in 2021, I want to see the UFC Apex adopt the same safety protocols as far as COVID-19 as UFC Fight Island has. Will I see that? I doubt it, but it would be pretty great if it happened now on with the show. I want to discuss a little um, about some things I've written recently for Bloody Elbow. One was a a list of COVID-19 positive tests for UFC fighters, which, okay, just a bunch of facts on that one and didn't get too much pushback on that. And the other one is a list of MMA related businesses that have received, um, COVID-19 relief loans, um, either, either EIDL loans or PPP loans. That one seems to have, um, struck a bit of a nerve today. I added 30 more, uh, loans to that, to that story. And here is the problem uh, that I'm getting pushback on is that people are seeing it as, a, a, as an attack on the folks who got the loans. And I will admit that my opinion stuff is sometimes, um, let's say confrontational, but that's what an opinion story is going to do. It's going to take opinion. And if it's a good opinion story, it's going to hit that opinion pretty hard because when I write these things, it's genuinely what I believe. I'm not, I know people think it's a troll job, but I genuinely believe what I write and I will stand by what I write. And if someone wants to debate that in a respectful manner, I will debate them. And can my mind be changed? Sure. I I would a lot of the things that I say I would I would be happy if my mind was changed because they're usually pointing out some uh, pretty egregious things in the sport of uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, but again, that discussion has to be respectful. But anyway, I think the reason that I'm getting the pushback on this on the loan story is because of my opinion pieces. Now, if you read that loan story, you will see that it just says these are the two types of loans that um, businesses and individuals could get from COVID-19 relief from the United States government, from the Small Business Administration. One, an EIDL loan is a low-interest loan that has to be paid back with, um, I think, a 30-year payout date. The other, the PPP. was meant for small businesses and and other small uh, individual companies to keep people employed during the pandemic. And those loans, if all the requirements of the loans are met, all of them, then the full amount of that PPP loan is forgivable. And I don't think right now, uh, from what I understand, that the requirements have been fully laid out. My guess is that there's going to be some pretty stringent, at least there should be some pretty stringent uh, forgiveness language in those loans. I would think that if the full loan was used for payroll, then then that's probably someone, and this is just me talking, that's probably someone's best bet at getting a a 100% forgivable loan on that. And I understand that. But what I wanted to do and what I plan on doing still is present the names, the figures, whether it was an EIDL loan or a PPP loan, and just present the information. Now, will I follow up on the information when the audits for the PPP loans take place and that information becomes available? Yes, I will, because that's part of this, what I'm planning on doing with this whole story. Will I offer an opinion on that? Not in that particular story. That story is a news story. It's a, just an informational story. I give the I give no opinion in that in that story. None. I present the numbers, the the individuals or the businesses that got the loans, and the dates the loans were approved, the amounts, and that's it. So I I think people are just seeing the headline and not reading the story, or reading it with a with a with a bias because of who whose name's at the top of that story. I can write news stories and I can write editorial stories. I can do interview fighters. I can do pretty much anything that I need to do to make a living as an MMA freelancer, which is what most people do. But because my opinions are too strong sometimes for some folks, well, they think everything I write's an opinion article and that I'm taking this and pointing it out that people that I disagree politically with are um, getting these loans, and that's 100% not true, and people won't believe me because they're biased towards what I write in my editorials, and that's something that I'm going to have to learn to live with, I guess, but I just want to point out that this story of the businesses about uh, who accepted COVID-19 loans was not judgmental in any way, Will there be a judgment down the line if some folks were found that they used the PPP loans for things other than what was required to get full uh, reimbursement for the loan? Yes. I, yeah, I will, I will point that out. And I will say that that was the wrong thing to do. And I expect other people will do the same because if you're taking a loan on false premises and saying it's going to be used for one thing, and using it for another thing that's not that it was not meant for, well, that's not what those loans were designed to be. And so, yeah, I will judge that later. But right now, there's no judgment in that. It's just names, numbers, amounts, and dates. That's it. Don't read too much into it because there's nothing else to read into it. And I know folks are doing so. And, and it's kind of... Um, Bothers me a bit. So here's a question, and I know I have agreed with Dana White on what the future should hold for Nick Diaz. Neither I nor Dana White want to see Nick Diaz fight again for for almost the same reasons. Because well, for what we say are almost the same reasons. My belief is that I'm concerned about Nick Diaz's emotional and mental. Um, health, as well as his physical health, and I don't think that he is—he should be fighting. I might be wrong, and if I am, so be it. And D- uh, Dana White said the same thing. What Dana White said is that everything that I see from Nick Diaz doesn't look like Nick Diaz wants to or is ready to compete in this sport. Um, this sport, even John Jones, as good as John Jones is, you have to be 100 percent mentally physically and emotionally ready to train, be ready for this and fight. And I just don't think, I don't think anyone should want to see Nick Diaz fight. And I agree with that. But the difference between me and Dana White on this matter is Dana White's job is to pay and promote Nick Diaz's fights. So if Nick Diaz says, I want to fight, Dana White's job as the promoter, as the president of the UFC, is to find him a fight, get him a fight. And if he's failing to do that, well then, that seems to go against the fighter's interest, and it seems to go against what White's job is. And as such, I think if Nick Diaz wants to fight, and Dana White is saying no, which is what it sounds like here. If his opinion is no one should want to see Dana, to see Nick Diaz fight, then he should release Nick Diaz. And then if someone wants to see Nick Diaz fight, another promotion, uh, a Bellator, a 1FC, if they want to book him, PFL, then they have every right to do so. Dana White has no right that I can see to say Nick Diaz isn't going to fight even though I have him under contract, and even though he says he wants to fight. That is, that's malpractice, more or less, promotional malpractice. Your job is to promote Nick Diaz's fights. Now let's think, why wouldn't Dana White want to promote a Nick Diaz fight? Well, the one thing that comes to my mind first is not Nick Diaz's mental and emotional health, because... Dana White's given Mike Perry fights, so we'll leave that there. You can take that for what it's worth. So don't give me the the concern for Nick Diaz when there's no concern for other fighters. The reason that Nick Diaz that Dana White does not want to promote a Nick Diaz fight might be because he hasn't had a legit win in you know ten years or so, but it also might be because Nick Diaz makes five hundred thousand dollars. At least that's what he made in his last fight, and so that might be the the sticking point. And while I would say Nick Diaz in 2021, probably not worth 500 grand to the UFC, that's his contract. And so that's what he's going to get paid. So if Dana White doesn't want to see Nick Diaz fight for any reason, monetarily, health, mental health, emotional health, then he should release Nick Diaz and let the highest bidder Sign Nick Diaz to a contract. Will that happen? I don't know. So this is going to be uh, very interesting to see how it plays out. Another fighter. Speaking of signing and promoting, Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is not getting another fight. Um, the Hamzat Chimaev fight is going to be rebooked. I don't think there is a date for that fight as of yet, which is concerning. And so, this is the same kind of question. If Leon Edwards says, "I want to fight someone other than Shemaev, why won't the UFC make that fight? They should. By all, this is one of those things that the UFC gets it both ways. The UFC has to offer you three has to offer its fighters three fights a year. If the fighter refuses one of those fights, then another fight gets added to their contract. If a fighter says they want to fight, and the UFC says, no, we're gonna book this fight, but we don't know when. And you say, I wanna fight sooner, a, a fight doesn't come off your contract. So it's a kind of a shitty deal for, for someone like, in, in this case, say Leon Edwards. If he's saying he wants to fight someone besides Chimaev, or even if he wants to fight someone and wait and then, and then book the Chimaev fight next, why won't the UFC do that? They should. Their job is to promote fights. Make fights and promote their fighters by 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 not doing what the fighters want. That's again promotional malpractice. I don't know what kind of um, rights these fighters have under their contracts under the law. I know the UFC counts on having more money and better and more lawyers than these fighters, and that's how they usually discourage any kind of uprising. Is that they have the bankroll to finance any kind of charges? put against them especially when it comes from fighters who they um pay ridiculously low wages to and so if nick diaz wants his way out and has to sue his way out he's going to end up tied up for years and years and years just like leon edwards and during that time they will not make any money they will just lose money and lawyers fees and who knows what the outcome will be so that's where that's at and i would think that um if leon edwards wants to push this he can i don't know what the outcome will be if i was him i would because why not the ufc has done leon edwards zero favors in the past year plus so maybe it's time for him to stand up and say you know what this is what i'm doing you get me a fight or you meet me in court and we'll we'll hammer through this contract i don't know but none of this makes much sense uh, from the outside, I'm sure it's very confusing that the UFC is able to play things both ways and and always come out the winner. But that is not a bug. That is a design, and that has been the design of the UFC since um, since these things you know started. What so I'm going to finish out tonight with a, another what I want to see in 2021, and I think the timing is good for this one. And I, what I want to see in 2021 is I want to see the UFC adopt the entirety of the UFC Fight Island protocol. It has not done that. Then it should be pretty clear it has not done that. Um, and that protocol is very stringent. And here is what it is as what it looked like at UFC 251. Um, and this was a, something that Abu Dhabi released and, and, as, and the UFC was associated. So the first COVID-19 test takes place 48 hours before a fighter leaves their, their home airport, which was, they would leave from specified airports as well. So say Las Vegas, um, and then they would arrive at Abu Dhabi at the, the VIP terminal, They would get a second COVID-19 testing at the airport. They would check in at the hotel and they would quarantine in the room until the test result came back. Then they would get a third COVID-19 test at the hotel, quarantine until that test comes out. They visit uh, Yas Island, attraction, training, and entertainment. And then they'd get a pre-event COVID-19 test. And if they were negative, they would go to Fight Island and before they would leave Fight Island, they would get another test and then head to the airports and go back to their, their um, country of origin, the, the airport of origin, I'm going to assume, or maybe there was other flights. But um, the only thing that I would add to this would be a quarantine once arrival at home um, for two weeks that's the only thing that I say that I see that is a shortfall in this in this protocol um, New Zealand I think it requires that two week uh, quarantine I don't know if they still do it they did um, and that's I think outside of that that's when you would get your your perfect situation but this Fight Island situation the the protocol here is nearly perfect and again this was all contained in the bubble too you you were in a a self-contained area there was no going in and out of it except for dana white and his um camera crew and some of his buddies to record um looking for a fight which when white came back and this is one of the problems probably the only problem i had with the protocol when white came back into the the fight island bubble along with whoever went out with him. They did not quarantine for two weeks. Now I know they were tested. I know Dana White said they tested the people they were in interactions with and that's all well and good, but they still didn't quarantine for two weeks after leaving the bubble, which is should have been the requirement, which is kind of the requirement. I think is the requirement of uh, what happened at the NBA bubble during the playoffs, as well as the NHL. If you were out, you had to Quarantine for a set amount of time and it wasn't just minutes or hours or days it was a week or two and so that would be the only thing i'd really want to see different now i don't i know that this is not what happens in vegas and we've seen a big uptick in positive tests at the at the um ufc apex and what we saw when the ufc started the tests started going up in positive tests there is that they adopted some more stringent measures, but those stringent measures were only related to the fighters in the fight camps and not to the UFC staff and local folks or or people that work the events other than the fighters in the camps. Those names and roles were absent from the updated protocol. When I asked the UFC if they were included in in that, I got no answer. So I'm going to assume And the UFC can correct me because they did not answer me. They can correct me if this assumption is wrong that someone like Dana White is free to come and go from the quote-unquote bubble at the UFC apex, which is not, and we know has not been a bubble. Um, It might be more, more of a bubble now for the fighters and their camps, but once you have one person going in and out of that bubble without any kind of repercussions or any kind of testing or quarantining that bubble is only as good as that one person going in and out and so one person 100 people it's kind of the same if it's if it's a bubble it's a bubble if it's not it's not and the UFC Apex is not a bubble and what I would want to see in UFC from the UFC in 2021 is that it makes it a bubble and it adapts and adopts the same protocol that Fight Island has is it going to be expensive Yep. Should it be done? Yes. Because UFC says they're above and beyond their health and safety. Now's their chance to prove it. Because they slacked off from when the Apex first started presenting fights in 2020 until the end of the year. Fight Island never slacked off. And Fight Island, from what we heard, no positive tests. UFC Apex, fair amount of positive tests. So, I don't think this is something that should be taken lightly. I think it should be done. I think it needs to be done. And... That is what I want to see from the UFC in 2021. And that's all I have for this evening. I will probably be back tomorrow. And until then, everyone stay safe.